This is the Make America Grape Again podcast, produced and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona Wine Monk. In this podcast, we explore wines from all 50 states in the United States of America. Uh, Welcome to uh, another episode of the Make America Grape Again podcast. I'm your host, Cody Vladimir Burkett, CSW. I'm Megan Vinivity Drinky, also CSW. And... I know, I can't remember what I was going to say, though. Uh, the, judgmental... The graphic designer. No, it was the, what, the irritated uh, graphic designer. I thought it was judgmental graphic designer. Judgmental graphic designer, something like that. <laughs> I'm getting too many things to say. you got to pick one. <laughs> and I am James McNew, who has a story plot that uh, makes Game of Thrones look really ridiculous, but I never sit down and write, so it'll probably never come to fruition. Anyway. <clears throat> well, everybody's we'll apparently start right. off, so... Start writing. What we've got here today is the only state mentioned in the Bible. Noah looked out the ark and saw. Oh! (laughs) Arkansas! What I've got here is the Majestic Merlot from Bathhouse Row Winery in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I was informed uh, that this Merlot is grown in Arkansas. So if it was not, then uh, I was lied to. But uh, the bottle says for sale in Arkansas only, which, uh, as we talked about in the Texas episode, basically means for sale in that state only. Although I managed to special order it, so. Well, I think wasn't it that 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 was to protect the state that the grapes came from? Yeah. So that would imply then that these grapes did not come. Maybe, but maybe not. I don't know. Again, that was what the uh, lady in the tasting room when I called them and asked them about uh, some of their wines. They're like, "Oh yeah, this one is." Hmm. There's only one wine in house that's actually coming from Italy. It's our sparkling red. It's made from Bruschetta, which I almost got because I love Bruschetta. But that would have defeated the point of the Make America Grape Again podcast. Uh, at least for season one. Yeah. Um, so I asked them about the Merlot. It's like, yeah, this is coming from... I don't remember the name of the vineyard because I didn't write it down. Because uh, I was calling it 9 in the morning Arizona time. Uh, high noon Arkansas time. From such and such vineyard in the Ozark AVA. So anyway, this is apparently 100% Merlot. 100% Merlot. Merlot, uh, for all of you who are playing the home game, uh, is, I believe, the most abundantly planted grape in France. comes from Merle, which is uh, the French name for blackbird because of both the color of the berries and because blackbirds apparently love the shit out of these grapes. Not to be confused with Merle. Yes. Smells Merlot-y. Also, I, I think I'm getting hints of American oak. Like that sort of uh, dill, coconut, cedar, vanilla thing. I could see all of that. Definitely oak. Uh, for for the oak, bright cherry. It's pretty uh, pale for Merlot too. It's white. Yeah, it's nice. It's a pretty color though. Yeah. What vintage is this? Um, vintage is not listed on the bottle. Hmm. I mean, it's not vintage dated. <laughs> Like all the Basque French Merlots, all Basque wines are vintage dated. This is sweet for a Merlot. It does have kind of like a caramel note to it. I was just going to say it smells kind of sweet. 
I already jumped the gun and tasted it. It's definitely sweet for a Merlot. Not necessarily unappealing, mm. so, but definitely. Whoa. That is sweet. Ooh. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. On the website, it was listed as a dry red. Well. But yeah, this is the Deep South. Dry is subjective, it seems like. However, that being said, the sweetness immediately brings to mind a possible pairing. I want a cheesecake. That was my other suggested potential pairing <laughs> in my mind, but I, my first thought was barbecue, like brisket. I could see that. I feel like a sweetness of brisket with that sort of sour spice... Uh, on the brisket would work really well with this. Most assuredly. Who would ever thought there'd be a good barbecue Merlot? But this would do nice. Yeah. Sweetness was kind of a shock. Yeah. No. But it's not bad. No. Um, it just has like a candied. Like candied cherry. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nutty too, so I almost want to think like candied like pecans or something. Yeah, candied nutty pecans, cherry, What did the little vanilla. say to the big nut? Pecan some on your own side. Oh, God. <laughs> it does, honestly. I could get kind of like a pecan flavor. But no question. This this is dying to be paired with a really sweet, tangy barbecue dish. Yeah, sweet, tangy barbecue with a sweet, tangy sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, do a, a super spicy sauce. Because, again, the sweetness and spice would counteract each other really, really well. It's one of the principles of food pairings. I'm going to go out on a limb here. What about Chinese food? Mongolian beef, yeah, it could work. Yeah. As long as it was uh, Chinese beef dishes. I don't think this would work with Chinese pork dishes. Mm. Um, Maybe. Maybe, but... I mean, because you're saying barbecue. Barbecue's usually pork. Yeah, that's true. And pork is usually good with sweeter things. I think it might work. Okay. I stand corrected. Maybe a nice honey-baked ham. honey-baked ham, I feel like this would be good, too. Easter dinner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or pasta dinner, as we call it among the Orthodox. I think it'd be a splash. So here's a, a weird thing. Before Prohibition, which state do you think produced, actually, the most wine and grapes than any other state? I feel like I used to know this, actually. I'm going to assume it's Arkansas, since this is what we're studying right now. Yes. <laughs> Looking into right now, but I feel like I knew that at some point, too. I guess, I guess there's no point in you guessing, James. No, no. <laughs> what, she, what she said. Yeah. Yes. So at one point before Prohibition, Arkansas had 160 wineries. What? And produced more wine and grapes than any other state. And then Prohibition in the... In the states, of course, reduced the wineries to only a few that remain today, relatively speaking. And about half of the counties in Arkansas actually still remain dry. Today, there's only 14 wineries listed in Arkansas. But amongst those uh, 14 wineries, there are three designated AVAs, or American Viticultural Areas. Uh, There's also some work going on at the University of Arkansas which has been working with the Post family for nearly a century to develop new grapes and harvesting technology. Uh, and so that's kind of established. And interestingly enough, um, the growing of grapes in Arkansas is kind of split down the middle between vinifera varietals like Merlot, uh, Chardonnay, Cabernet Sauvignon, as well as hybrid varietals, and um, what you could arguably say are native grapes to Arkansas, such as Cynthiana, which is... Uh, a clone or strain of Norton, 
uh, and Muscadine. I really had hoped that uh, to find an Arkansas Cynthiana, but no such luck to ship. But uh, the good news is uh, later this year I'm going to be going on a road trip cross-country uh, for a friend's wedding, and we will be passing through Arkansas. So the plan is to hit up some of the wineries in Arkansas for bottles there for season two and three. Because right now, uh, the winery of Hot Springs is pretty much the only show in town for shipping to Arizona. But that's neither here nor there. Those AVAs, by the way, are the Altus AVA, the Arkansas Mountain AVA, and both of those are subsets of the Ozark Mountain AVA which does extend into neighboring states, uh, Missouri and Oklahoma. It's the sixth largest American viticultural area in size. did not know that. Established in 1986. Yeah, right now, 14 wineries and vineyards and three AVAs. Um, I lost my train of thought, which is not surprising because brain not good for smart making. What do you think of the label, our judgmental graphic designer? I mean, I'm not excited about it. Although I do appreciate that there's a bathtub on there with wine in it. It's fun. Like, they're, I'm guessing that's their logo, which is the it bathtub, is. which is really funny. So, bathtub wine? <laughs> uh, uh, any good wine is a bathtub wine. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Like, I, it doesn't jump out at me. There's nothing. Like, I don't dislike it. It's fine. I like the fonts. It, the label just makes me think of, like, 1920s. A little bit, Silent yeah. film plates. Right, right, yeah, because right, right. that font here kind of has that look to it. And also most of those silent film parts, when there's text for, like, talking or whatever, explaining the plot, mm-hmm. they have that border a like this border. label does. Yeah. Except so to the... see Buster Keaton in there, like, snorkeling or something. That would be really fucking weird, and I'd wonder what this wine was spiked was with if I saw that. Wormwood. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I... I don't dislike it. Yeah, it's... I do get a kick out of the logo with being the bathtub with the wine in it. I mean, I like this, uh... I like this in Merlot, but not in Merlot. Oh, Jesus. That's really what James thinks of that. Oh, my God. I just burped up some of that dandelion wine. It tastes like I just mowed the lawn in my stomach. Well, uh, I should talk more about Merlot, actually, because I don't think we've really... We've mentioned Merlot off and on a few times. I don't think we've ever had a... a... I'm not talking about any fucking Merlot. (laughs) That was a really spot-on imitation of Paul Giamatti there, actually. That was scarily close. Well, he's seen that movie about 142 times. (laughs) But, of course, as I understand it, that movie was based upon a book, and in the book, the reason he did not like Merlot was because it was his ex-wife's favorite wine, which was not mentioned in the movie. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think you're correct. Yeah. I don't remember. I haven't seen it in a long time. But... but the impression you're left with from viewing the movie and hearing that line is that he just thinks Merlot is a shitty grape. And there was, of course, a documented, quote-unquote, sideways effect And that movie came out, wherein Pinot Noir sales went up and Merlot sales went down. Although, to be fair, I studied that, and there was um, kind of a glut in the Merlot market at the time, so it was going to go down anyway. Yeah. Mm. People were realizing that Merlot wasn't doing well in some places where they were growing it, and were starting to remove it and replace it with other varietals that were better suited for those veneer sites. 
So it's uh, a fate accompli, as it were. Indeed. I love that word. It's a good word. It's a very good word. It makes me sound a few notches higher than the primitive vulgarian that I really am. Speaking of primitive vulgarian, uh, the softness and fleshiness of the, the taste profile, uh, combined with the early ripening for this grape, uh, really does make Merlot a popular grape for blending with those sterner later ripening Cabernet Sauvignons higher in tannin. So, I mean, that's kind of what Bordeaux is usually. It's about half Cab Sauv or Cab Franc, and then the other half is Merlot, uh, you know, generally. With a wee bit of Petit Verdot. Wee little bit of Petit Verdot, Malbec, and... Uh, the Rodney Dangerfield uh, of wine grapes. Yeah, it gives no fucking respect. Bingo. Uh, so, of course, as I mentioned before, one of the primary grapes used in Bordeaux wines. It's also, for that matter, one of the most popular red wine varietals in many markets. Merlot is actually the third most grown variety at about 260,000 hectares, or 640,000 acres, globally. 2015, it was 660 acres. Number one, then. Oh, it's... Um, Number one is Arian. Uh, Ar- yeah, that's right. And it's all in Spain. And most of it is for brandy. Uh, I want to say number two is Grenache? Maybe? I can't remember anymore. But I can't remember either. I always keep thinking Merlot. I'm like, no, I think that's specifically France. The number one. Oh, for me, it just makes me think that God is not co-eternal with the Father and the Son. I don't think it's... Oh! Is it really pronounced Arian? I don't know. I think it's Aaron. Why don't you look up the pronunciation? Because it's A-I-R-E-N. Like, I'm... There's no way that's pronounced Aryan. I'm pretty sure it's not pronounced Aryan. Aran or something. Yeah. It's... Okay, so apparently that total has shifted from Aryan or Aran or Irian or. Come on, Irian. Oh, I. Aryan! I love you! <laughs> so apparently it's shifted from that grape to Cabernet Sauvignon. That does not surprise me. 840,000 acres. That just grows anywhere. It is kind of a weed. Like Miles said. Merlot, according to this article, is now uh, on Forbes number two. Tempranillo is number three. Arian. 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 A grape is number four now. Chardonnay is number five. Number six is Syrah. Number seven is Grenache Noir. Number eight is Sauvignon Blanc. Number nine is Pinot Noir. And number ten is Ugni Blanc. Or Trib- <laughs> That was spontaneous. <laughs> or Trebbiano Toscano. Say that again. Here's the cor- correct pronunciation of that according Aryan to, grape. According to Google Translate. Aiden. Aiden? Aiden. 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 I don't have enough iron in my diet, so I'm anemic. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to remember it, actually. I mean, I'm guessing. I don't... But it, that's an actual person from Spain saying it. Iron, okay. Iron. Okay, so... Although, uh, it's now number four. Merlot is now number two uh, in the entire world. Crazy. Take yeah. that, Miles. I mean, Pino is still in the top ten. Of course, spoiler alert, there was a sequel to Sideways called, I don't remember, was it Vertical? It was, it was a sequel, I don't remember what it was called, but they ended up going up to Oregon for a Pinot Noir tasting, and 
he ended up going to some festival where they put him in a dunk tank, and the dunk tank was filled with Charles Shaw Merlot. Really? Yep. This actually was a I'm sequel. Like, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. I thought we were waiting a, for you to a like, movie? It's bullshit. No, book. 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 Oh. Book. Okay. Well, gang, what else do we want to say about this Merlot? Mm-hmm. I, I, it's pleasant. It's a refreshing change from other Merlots that I've had. I kind of dig the sweetness a little bit. I um, want it with something. like. Yeah, but like, it, it does beg for food pairing, sure. Yeah, just because it's just... Like, that sweet is just enough that it's like, I don't want to just... It's like too much to just sit and sip on, I feel like. And yet, it's still kind of tannic. Mm-hmm. It's still pretty... De- like, I'm... Like, it's taking the moisture from my gums, and that's different. Not only is it tannic, it does have, towards the back of the palate, a sort of graphite character, almost. Which I'm feeling is a, a, a possible... It's like busty graphite, like a wet pencil, almost. And this that sounds that less... <laughs> and I hate describing it that way, but because it sounds less appetizing than it is. Yeah. That's a really nice sort of musty graphite character on the back of the tongue as you sort of retrohale. And I think that's a Tawar landscape because we've seen Shinon. notes like that in different landscapes. Yeah. It's not unappealing. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't dislike this. I, I yeah. probably would drink this again, but I would definitely have this with food. Certainly, yeah. Um, I still want to try it with cheesecake. Just like plain cheesecake. Plain cheesecake, yeah. I just want to, yeah, I just think it would be fun. That really takes the cake. Mm-hmm. Ah. So this is probably the last uh, Verde Valley recording for the uh, Make America Grape Again podcast. Not that they'll know the difference. Well, I will. I know. They you will. will. When you both come down to Bisbee for future episodes. Well, of course, say, at the date of this here. recording, uh, noted wine critic Robert M. Parker has yeah. retired. Thank fucking party. God. Fucking Thank party. fucking God. I mean, yeah, it was great what he did. Of bringing wine more mainstream. But point scars just take away. Point scars? Yeah, point scars. No, it does leave a scar. Yeah, no, I I meant that that whatever the verbal version of a typo is. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they're they're great and all, but you know, they really make winemakers, I feel in a lot of cases, want to chase scores Mm -hmm. for publicity. Rather than just trying to make the wines that either they like yeah. or that the people like, they're trying to make it for specific critics, which I don't agree with. No, no, no. And I no. think that takes a lot of the magic out of it. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm reading this book, Cork Gork. God damn it. Cork Dork by, uh, I can't remember her name, but uh, she's talking with a lot of people on like, uh, what makes a wine good? And there's one guy who owns a. A wine bar who says uh, he defines a wine as good as when it's yummy. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean? Well, one sip leads to another sip, which leads to the glass, which leads to the bottle going yeah. away. That's a yummy wine. That's a good wine. Well, yeah. And, you know, that leaves also a lot of leeway because, you know, this is for what we're doing. We have all are on our second glass of this Merlot. This is qualified as a yummy wine. Mm-hmm. It has a place. And in a place, it would be better... 
than some sort of high 95, 98 point California cab, like screaming eagle. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> the face you just made was frightening. <laughs> <laughs> My eagle imitation. You know, different wines have a different purpose. And now there might be a place where that wine is yummy. I don't know. I've never tasted one, and with my budget, I'm not even going to try. Because I've got better things to spend my money on than uh, Colt California Cab. If I'm going to be spending my money on Colt wines, they're going to be on Colt wines in other places like France, mm-hmm. Italy, Vermont, Minnesota, mm-hmm. New Mexico, mm-hmm. Colorado, Arizona. Places that we've encountered in the course of this podcast. Yeah. Rather than, oh, you need to go for your cab here. But I, I like that, that definition of a term for what counts as a good wine, if it's yummy. Because that also ties in circumstances and emotion mm-hmm. um, into wine, rather than just putting it and trying to distill it into a checklist on a paper. Again, the certain aroma or bouquet given off by a wine might jive with a very positive personal memory that only you have, nobody else does, that right. will enhance your enjoyment of it. Well, Robert, the... e. Par- Robert Parker has never appreciated the smell of a 1979 <laughs> Texas apartment as a seven-year-old. I mean, yeah. it's just that kind of thing. Yeah, I. This Merlot was yummy. I might even rate it a four on Vivino. At least a three-five. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you'd have to. I feel like it's one of those things where if you're in the mood for sweet wine, then you'd rate it higher. Yeah. You know, I feel like you have to kind of be in the mood for. For that, and not only that, we have had sweet wines not so much in in this podcast, but you know we've all had sweet wines where they were just horrible, like cloying, syrupy, tooth rotting, tooth rotting. <laughs> this wine is not that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, I've gotten back to a point where I don't mind sweet wines anymore. It's weird. Under the right circumstances, the right occasion, yeah, preferably dessert. Yeah, like this is sweeter than what I would want. Like I'm not really in the mood for a sweet wine right now, but this would go very well to me in the appetizer portion of a multi-course meal. Hmm. This could go nice with like a salad. Yeah. With like the feta cheese on it or something. This wine like definitely has a place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's sweeter than what I'm in the mood for right now, so I would probably rate it a little lower. Whereas if I was like, oh, I really want something sweet, and then tried it, and just, yeah. you know. Okay, sure. like I had um, massive amounts of brisket last night at Colt Barbecue, mm-hmm. and this would have gone perfect with that. Oh, yeah. But on that note, as James finishes chewing. <laughs> okay, it's down. Make America Grape again. Yeah, yeah. This was an episode of the Make America Grape Again podcast, sponsored, produced, and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona Wine Monk. You can reach us at makeamericagrapepodcast at gmail.com, on Instagram at at theazwinemonk, or on Twitter at cvburkett. Be sure to also check out our website, makeamericagrapeagainpodcast.com. Can we go? Ah.